St. Paul was a, a tough man. He was not somebody you'd want to mess with, right? He was brilliantly smart. He was courageous. Uh, he was strong. He was a man of great zeal. And as Christianity spread, Paul, still then called Saul, he worked hard to oppose it. He didn't think Christianity was from God. So he sought to arrest, to stop the Christians. And he even watched on with approval as St. Stephen, the first deacons of the church, uh, was killed for his faith. But then God called, literally knocked Saul to the ground, spoke to him. And Saul soon understand his true calling, his vocation, was not to suppress, but to spread the gospel of Jesus. He answered that call generously. He traveled the world. He endured shipwrecks and beatings and arrests and on and on, all so that he could tell people the good news of Jesus. And he was very successful. And he wrote a huge portion of the New Testament for us. Barnabas, the other main character of today's first reading, also had a conversion to Christ. He was one of the earliest to follow Jesus after his resurrection. And he did so with great generosity, even giving his property to the newborn church so that it could carry on its work. He became friends with Paul and even accompanied him on his trips abroad to spread the faith. And that's where we met them in today's first reading, on that first missionary journey. They came to the city of Antioch and went to the local synagogue. This is usually what they would do. They would go to the synagogue uh, it was the Sabbath, and they began to share their faith in Jesus. And they got a mixed reception. The Gentiles, meaning, of course, the non-Jewish people that were there, they were delighted because they, they heard that, that they, the non-Jews, were part of God's plan. But those who should have been most ready to hear the message, the Jewish leaders that were present there, they violently rejected it. They had Paul and Barnabas kicked out of their territory. Amazingly, though, this doesn't phase Paul and Barnabas at all. They simply move on to the next town, and they even do it with joy. Life isn't easy, and it certainly wasn't easy for Paul and Barnabas back then, and it's not easy for us here and now, especially, I think, if we're going to take a stand for what is true and good to share our faith with the world. As the church and her message, in a way, they seem less popular than ever. You know, our stance is on marriage, its permanence, and so on, on sexuality, on end-of-life issues, on beginning-of-life issues. That's a huge one right now. In fact, some different uh, pro-abortion groups were threatening to come into Catholic churches this weekend at Mass and protest. So... Thankfully, that's not happening here at the moment. But, you know, given, given our church was attacked in December, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't, you never know. Um, we get mixed reviews, much like Paul and Barnabas did. Some people are delighted when they think about and realize the wisdom and beauty of Jesus' message. But others, because it's challenging, will always violently oppose the gospel. This really isn't anything new. But notice that last line in the first reading. Even though it was hard and people challenged them, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. 
So yeah, their lives were hard and not everybody was their friend. But God was with them and they were filled with joy. In the end, that's what we all want. Not an easy life, but a meaningful life filled with joy. As I said at the beginning, this weekend the church marks the World Day of Prayer for vocations to the priesthood, to the diaconate, to religious life. And it's a day each year when we focus more intensely on our need for heroes like Paul and Barnabas who are willing to answer Jesus' call to spread the good news, to make the world better. And we should remember that God is in charge his plan for our lives, and he has a plan for each one of us that he hopes we'll cooperate with, it's better than anything we could ever come up with. So as suggested in our gospel today, we should listen to Jesus and follow him wherever he leads us. And for some men, that means answering a call to the Catholic priesthood. These days, you know, given the public perception of priests, that kind of a call might frighten a young man if he starts to hear that. It might frighten his parents, too. And to that I just say, well, look at Paul and Barnabas. and Look at the great priest saints in our church's history. And look at the good and holy priests of our own diocese. God needs men who will stand up for and proclaim the challenging truth and goodness of our faith to the world. A world which now more than ever, it seems, needs to hear the gospel. And the truth is, every young Catholic man should think about this and consider this vocation, a call to the priesthood. Now, God does not call every man to that vocation, but sadly, I think he does call a lot more men than are willing to answer that call. The priesthood is a challenging life. One involves a lot of sacrifices in a way, but so is marriage. So are all vocations. But if it's a true vocation from God, it's going to be filled with joy, a joy that endures even in the midst of hardship. And I know it's been my own experience, you know. I have been given that death stare in public where somebody sees sees me and I've been yelled at while I've been preaching. Uh, It's been a while, thankfully, but... Uh, Some people don't like it when they see a priest because he obviously stands for something when he's walking around wearing that Roman collar. And that can be unpleasant. But, but, I've also celebrated 115 or so baptisms. And that's always a joy on those days to be there with those families. I've been there for 25 weddings so far, which really isn't that many for somebody who's been a priest for getting close to 11 years. We need more holy marriages too, right? I've been able to teach the faith so that people might know what's right and wrong and so they might come to know Jesus personally. And I've been there too, and this is some of the most rewarding work a priest does, to be with people in their last moments of life, preparing for their meeting with Jesus and hopefully for heaven. But best of all, as a priest, I get to stand there at the altar and to celebrate Mass, to hold Jesus in my hands and to adore him so that I can bring him to all of you. Now, it can be tough in an ever more secular world to be a a priest, but for the men who are really called to it, it can be a heroic life, an adventurous life, a joy-filled life. 
So young men, don't be afraid uh, to at least investigate the calling. Uh, if you just show a little interest, that doesn't mean I'm going to immediately like, put you on some list and uh, you're going to be whisked away to a seminary or something. Uh, that's not the way it works. I'm, I'm happy to help guys discern if that's what God is desiring for them. And I wouldn't pressure anyone or, or even really encourage them to sign up for uh, or apply for seminary because the goal is rather to help them ask, is this what the Lord is asking of me? And then to accompany them on a journey of discernment. Because the goal is always, what does God want? And let's help that happen. I should also mention the permanent diaconate. I've mentioned this before, but it's another form of vocation in the church. Uh, that is a possibility for men, including married men. Uh, permanent deacons in the Catholic Church can perform baptisms. They can celebrate weddings, they can preach homilies at Mass, they can bring communion to the sick and visit the sick in a parish. Uh, you know, men who, who feel called to the permanent diaconate, or even if there's just a little curiosity about it, they should talk to me or call Deacon Fleck at the, uh, the diaconate office down in Bismarck. Um, the deacon in our parish, I don't think that would be very, very busy because it's not a huge place, but it would be very helpful, and actually not just helpful for our parish, but the whole area. Um, so, you know, men, I encourage you to pray about that calling as well. And lastly, and this is a complicated one, it's hard to do it justice in a little homily, but there are callings to the religious life for both men and for women. And God does call some men and women to lives of prayer, uh, in many different communities, and each of these communities has its own charism, its own way of serving the Lord and the community. Some of them are kind of cloistered, you know, they're closed off uh, from the world to make those men and women um, available to the Lord for deep, deep prayer. Others, while still very rooted in prayer, uh, they, they go out from their monasteries and focus on teaching, on health care, um, on other good works. I know there's, for example, the Sisters of Life who devote uh, all their energy to helping um, fight abortion and support women as they are struggling in difficult situations. Uh, these various communities, they are, really are, in a way, the heart of the church. Uh, and they're, I think, underappreciated because, at least in this part of the world, they're not very visible. There's not a lot of them. There's some you know, nuns and sisters, you know, like in... Hankinson and then a few maybe in Bismarck and so on, but there's not, they're not everywhere, right? Um, but they are very important. They, they literally saved Western civilization from extinction in previous centuries. And now, even though like those cloistered nuns, we don't see them, even though we don't see them, they sustain the world uh, by their hidden uh, prayers and sacrifices. And for that, we should be very grateful. So in short, we should all listen for Jesus' calling, uh, his vocation for us, and then respond. The priesthood, the diaconate, the religious life, they're not easy, but they are necessary, and they're heroic, and they're filled with joy, if lived rightly. And uh, so now I close with these words from Pope Francis's message for this day of prayer for vocations. He writes, Michelangelo is said to have maintained that every block of stone contains a statue within it, and it is up to the sculptor to uncover it. If that is true of an artist, how much more is it true of God, 
In the young woman of Nazareth, he saw the mother of God. In Simon the fisherman, he saw Peter, the rock on which he would build his church. In the publican, Levi, he recognized the apostle and evangelist, Matthew. And in Saul, a harsh persecutor of Christians, he saw Paul, the apostle of the Gentiles. God's loving gaze always meets us, touches us, sets us free, and transforms us, making us into new persons. That is what happens in every vocation. We are met by the gaze of God who calls us. So on this World Day of Prayer for Vocations, let's pray uh, that we all, especially the young people uh, among us here, that we will discern what God's plan is for our lives and then follow it with courage. Amen.